this is our Christmas service today. Um, we've currently been on a series on God, Amazing Grace, looking at how grace affects every aspect of a believer's life. Um, but today we're going we're gonna to pause, just like the history paused that night that the glory of God came down. Today I'm going to talk to you about the gift of God's glory. The gift of God's glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into truth. And we thank you that truth is Jesus. And we thank you that truth came with grace. Jesus came with great and grace and truth. So this morning, we just ask that you would open our eyes to the glory of God that has been manifest to all humanity, that we would know that we are so loved, that we are the beloved, that we are children of the Most High God, and that you desire good Get to give your children good gifts. You desire to give your children good things. You desire for your children then in turn to be representations of the goodness of God and be good unto their fellow man. And we thank you for that. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. We pray this morning in Jesus' name, amen. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In the same region there were some shepherds... St- staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Don't you love that? Good news, great joy, all, all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. I love the wording of that too. For today in the city of David has been born for you. Not for God, for you. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. So what's in the box? You ever do that when you're a kid? The Christmas gifts are under the tree, and you're wondering what's in the box. Amanda, when we first got married, she couldn't stand me because I don't know how I did it, but I'd pick it up, and it'd be a square box. I said, that's cologne. I pick up another one. That's a DVD. Well, this is underwear. And she'd get so mad at me that she stopped buying me gifts. No, no, but uh, but you always wonder what's what's in the box. And have you ever tried to um, describe a gift? Have you ever described something that's in in the box? It's interesting to me that we can describe things that are man-made. We can describe a basketball, if the basketball was in the box. We could even describe if there was an iPad or an iPhone. You would be able to describe exactly what it is, what it does, and the features that it has. It's interesting that we can describe the most technology, yeah, the greatest Technical devices that we have to offer. But what about if in that box was beauty? What if in that box was joy? What if in that box was the peace of God? It's interesting that we can... Describe something 
that is man-made, but something that is eternal, something that has always existed, something that will exist going on into the future, something that we will spend all our lives enjoying and appreciating and, and re- researching and diving into the depths of, we're at a loss when it comes to accurately describing those things. What about the glory of God? How would you describe that? How would you describe God's glory? It's one of the most commonly phrases in the, used phrases in the Bible, the glory of God. We just read it this morning. The glory of God. But for most of us, we would be at a loss to ex- be able to describe exactly what it, what it is. Some say it's who God is. It's his essence. Or it's the presence of God. Or it's God's greatness. Some might say that it's what God deserves. God deserves the glory. We charismatics, we talk about glory clouds, right? Glory dust particles, a light of God's glory, right? We had a night here that we spent hours of praising, worshiping, preaching, and, and, and uh, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in this very place filled up with the smell of incense to the point where I had relatives getting up, going to check the candles that were in the windows to see if something was burning, only to find out that they weren't even real candles. They were LED candles. And many of you guys were here. You experienced that. Was that the glory of God? I don't know. I don't know exactly what the glory of God is in human terms. So let's not ask humans what the glory of God is. I got a novel idea. Let's see what God says his glory is. Let's see what God says his glory is. Because Moses asked that very question. Moses asked, Lord, show me your glory. See, they were about to come into the promised land. They were, they were about to be led to the promised land. Of course, they had a 40-year detour. But Moses wanted to know who this God was that they were following. Who are you? What are you like? And God showed them. In Exodus 33, verse 18, it says, Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. What are you like, God? He wanted something greater than just the burning bush. He wanted something more depth, more intimate than just the plagues that, that, that came on the Egyptians. He wanted to know who this God was that they were serving, who this God was that they were following. Moses says, show me your glory. I want to know who you are. And this is the response. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I show compassion. So Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, all right. I'll show you my goodness, because my goodness is my glory. I bet you that took Moses back a little bit. I I don't think that's what Moses expected, that when God says, I'll show you my glory, that his glory, who who he says that he, he is, his essence, who God is, is goodness. The 
The glory of God is God's goodness. And I ask you today, have you seen God's glory? Are you living in God's glory? Are you aware of the goodness of God? Are you dwelling? Is that your habitation in the glory of God, in the goodness of God? See, this, this is so different than what we think that a God would be. God told Moses that he would declare the name of the Lord, Jehovah, to him. That struck me interesting. Doesn't it you? God says, I will show you my goodness, and then I will declare to you who I am. It's amazing how often we listen to men on who they say God is. But do you know who God declared he was? I mean, this is a very popular scripture verse. Everybody knows that. There's songs written on it. Show me your glory. Third day sings it, I think. But I bet you guys don't know who God said that he was as he was showing Moses his goodness. We have all these names of the Lord that man has given him, like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals, Jehovah Roy, the Lord my shepherd, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace, and so on. We have all these names that, God, that men have given God. And that's just the good names they gave him. But here God says, I will declare who I am. So do you want to know what God declared about himself? No? Okay, that was, yeah, okay. Exodus 34, 4, or 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for a thousand, for thousands, who, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. And that was in the Old Testament. From God's own mouth. From God's own mouth, he proclaims who he is. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Is that the God that you know? That's the goodness of God. That's the glory of God. That's who he is. His glory, his glory is absolute goodness. That's amazing. Ever since the deception of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God has been trying to get this revelation back into humanity's heart. Because there was a time when humanity knew God it's good. There was, a, there, was a, there was a time when they knew his compassion, that they knew the truth, that they knew his loving kindness, that they walked with him in the cool of the day, and then they chose to be equal with God by doing something. They chose religion over relationship. They, showed, if, they chose to be more like God by partaking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened? As soon as they stood in who they were rather than who God was, condemnation, guilt, they ran and hid from God. They started judging God based on who they were instead of who he was. They were judging God based on who they were instead of basing themselves on who God was. 
And we've been doing it ever since. We judge who God is based on the evil that we do. And we don't know a God that's compassionate. We don't know a God that's long-suffering. We don't know a God that forgives sins. Why? Because we know how unlike God we are, how deserving we are of punishment. And Jesus changed everything. See, Isaiah got a glimpse of this revelation of the glory of God. In Isaiah chapter 6, 1 and 3, maybe, it says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe that filled the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, and with two they covered their faces, with two they covered his feet, and with two they flew. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah didn't know that this world is filled with the goodness of God. That this earth is filled with the glory of God of God. The seraphim proclaimed something that most of humanity is blind to. Most of humanity is blind to. And by not seeing it, they're not appropriating it. And by not appropriating it, they're not experiencing it. that the world is filled with the glory of God, that the world is filled with his goodness. And I say today, have you seen the glory of God? Do you live in the glory of God? Do you know that God desires for all humanity to have this revelation? Look what Habakkuk says, 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth will be filled, not with the glory of God. Why? Why not with the glory of God? Because it's already here. The, glory, the earth is already filled with his goodness. The earth is already filled with his glory. But it will one day be filled with the Knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. What part of the ocean's bottom is not drenched by its waters? He's comparing. He's comparing the sea bottom to you and I drowning in the glory, in the goodness of God. And this, this knowledge of the glory of God is the gift of Christmas. The gift of the knowledge of the glory, the goodness of God, is God's, of God's goodness was given at Christmas. For Jesus is the glory of God. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it states, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the, of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 1.3 tells us, and he, Jesus, is the radiance of his, God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Let me read that again. Hebrews 1.3, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. 
Jesus came to show us the glory of God. Jesus came to show us the goodness, the goodness of God. The glory of God came down unto all humanity. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, watching over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were sore afraid. They were so afraid that it was painful. Sore afraid, right? Is that what that means? And the angel said unto them, Fear not! For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Verse 12. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I wonder if that's... I don't know. I didn't look it up either. But I wonder if that's why we wrap gifts. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. The gift of God's glory came down wrapped and lying in a manger. Why a manger? So that God could allow all humanity to know no, how, no matter how low you feel your station is in life, he's going to take you from the stable to the king's court. A gift that humanity could, could not describe. It was a mystery hidden in God that was about to be revealed to the world. The, a gift of God's goodness proclaiming peace between God and man. A gift proclaiming that God desires nothing but goodwill towards humanity was given. That's what the angel said. The angel said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards man. That is not talking about peace among men. It's talking about peace, the peace of God towards man. To erase this idea that God's against them. To erase the idea of who God was. To erase that idea and let them know by the glory revealed in Christ on Christmas, to the the, the the glory of God being revealed to know that he desires goodwill, his goodness towards all men. Do you believe that this morning? God sent this gift to change our minds, to cause us to repent about how we see God and how we see ourselves. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him, talking about Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things in the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind. By wicked works, yet he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. This is, was humanity's disease. Humanity's disease was that they judged God based on who they were. And God wanted them to see who he was and, and in seeing who he was, see who they are. See, we weren't, God did not separate himself from us. See, that's our lie that we made up. 
We made up the lie that God is somehow separate from humanity, that his goodness is far from us. And somehow, if I do enough good things, then I can reach up and attain some of his goodness. But Isaiah said that the earth is filled with the glory of God. The earth is filled with the very goodness of God. And he desires that, that the whole world be filled with the knowledge of that goodness. He desires that. See, it was in our minds that we were enemies. It was in our minds that we were alienated. Why? Because we did do wicked works. And because we did wicked works, because we judge ourselves by the law and we judge ourselves by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we believe that we deserve punishment. But thank God that He's glorious. Thank God that he's goodness. Thank God that he's long-suffering. Thank God that he forgives our iniquities. Thank God that he wants to bestow his loving kindness on us for a generation after generation to thousands and thousands of generations. Amen. You need to repent. I need to repent. I need to change my thoughts about who God is. Because if I change my thoughts about who God is, then I will see myself in a completely new light. Who I was always created to be. The greatest expression. What is the greatest expression of God's glory? Have you ever thought about that? What is the greatest expression of God's glory? In John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who, who stood by heard it and said that it thundered. Others said that the angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Again, for us. Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. That's interesting, isn't it? Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world has been cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Then he, this he said, signifying the death he would die. Jesus said, glorify yourself. Glorify your name, God. And he says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The cross is the greatest expression of God's glory, God's goodness. That phrase there that says, will draw all people to myself. Will draw all people to myself. That word peoples there, um, some translations say all men unto myself. That is uh, italicized, so that means that it was put in there by the translators. So literally, it says, I will draw all to myself. And if you read this verse in context, it's talking about judgment. Right? Jesus is drawing all judgment unto himself. Everything that you thought caused separation between you and God, everything that disqualified you, everything that you felt unworthy, no good, that caused you to hide from God, caused you not to walk in fellowship with God. All of that, God said that, Jesus said that, if I be lifted up, on the talking about the cross, the way he would die, I will bring all judgment to myself. But all people works too. Because we were all in judgment. We were all dead in our sins and our trespasses. And Jesus says, I will die for, I am dying for humanity. 
And in Christ, in that mystical union in Christ, we were in his death, burial, and through faith in his resurrection. All of humanity. But by faith, you experience it. This is the glory of God, the God who is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. This is he who, it, this is who he is. This is his glory. And his glory is absolute goodness. God's glory, his goodness is eternal. It's a gift that just keeps on giving. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God is rich in mercy because of his great love for us. We were dead because of our failures, but he made us alive together with Christ. It is God's kindness that saved you. God has brought us back to life together with Christ and has given us a position in heaven with him. He did this through Christ Jesus out of his generosity to us in order to show his extremely rich kindness in the world to come. God saved you through faith as an act of kindness. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. It's not the result of anything you've done so no one can brag about it. It says here that in the ages, in the world to come, God plans on showing us his extremely rich kindness. Some translations say in the ages to come. For all eternity we are going to be lavished in the kindness of God, the goodness of God, and it's going to be absolutely Glorious. That's your future. Your future's glorious. And if we could just open our eyes, if we could get a revelation to the world is filled with his glory, we could have a little bit of heaven here on earth. If we believe that God is glorious and we are living in his glory and he is good and we live in his goodness and he is rich and compassionate and he he longs to to just shed abroad his extreme kindness upon us how if all humanity walked in that how would that change our world we would share the gift of God's glory. We would share the gift of God's goodness to our fellow man. Receiving the gift of God. How do you receive God's gift of glory? God's goodness. Well, as we just read, it's a gift. But you need to receive it by faith. You need to embrace it as truth. And this isn't a one-time decision. This is a life of living in the goodness of God, living in the glory of God, living in Jesus Christ himself. Some people think I tried Christianity and it didn't work. You can't try life. You have to live it. Your believing, though, does not make it true. It is true. The world is filled with his goodness. Jesus Christ is the goodness of God. The world is filled with his glory. And your believing doesn't make God good. Your believing doesn't make you saved. Because it's a gift. It's already there. It's already done. It's already true. It's already fact. Your believing doesn't make it true. It only allows you to experience the pre-existing truth of his grace. 
Your believing just allows you to experience the gift. The gift has already always been there. But you believing it allows you to experience it. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit of faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you may gain the glory. God already predestined the predestined one, Jesus Christ. And he already predestined humanity to be saved through Jesus Christ. But you're appropriating it. Your faith in that work allows you to gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have gained the glory of God, the goodness of God through Jesus. We have now have the knowledge of the goodness of God. With Moses, the glory of God calls his face to radiate. But it faded and disappeared. Let's look at that. 2 Corinthians 3.13. It says, we are not like Moses. Right? We're not like Moses. Who are we like? We're like Jesus. Hmm. We are not like Moses. He kept covering his face with a veil. He didn't want the people of Israel to see that the glory was fading away. And why was the glory fading away? Because he came down with the law. Moses' glory faded away, but ours is eternal. It's only going to grow stronger and stronger. Look what it goes on to say. Verse 16. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. This Lord is the Spirit. Wherever the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom. As all of us reflect the Lord's glory with faces that are not covered with veils, we are being changed into his image with ever-increasing glory. This comes from the Lord, who is a spirit. We go from glory to glory. We go from good to gooder. It just gets gooder and gooder and gooder. We are called to reflect the goodness of God. Are you reflecting the goodness of God? Do you have a revelation of the goodness of God? Do you have the knowledge of the goodness of God? That the earth is filled, drenched. We're drowning in the very glory, the glory of God. We are ambassadors of his goodness. We are to cover the world with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the seafloor. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. In the past, God hid this mystery. In the past, it was a mystery. But now he has revealed it to his people. God wanted his people throughout the world to know the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ living in you, giving you the hope of glory. We spread this message about Christ as we instruct and teach everyone with all wisdom there is. We want to present everyone as mature Christian people. I work hard and struggle to do this while his mighty power works in me. We have Christ in us, and he, he in us is the hope of glory. He, him in us is the hope of God's goodness being manifest. We are image bearers of the glory of God, and we are called to take this gift of the knowledge of God's goodness and share it with the world. Sharing the gospel is not a tedious thing. It's a joyous thing. It's about sharing the goodness of God with people. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Right? We were that way. We thought God was mad at us. We thought God didn't want anything to do with us until we heard the glorious good news of his goodness revealed in Jesus Christ. There is a world, there is, a, there is an enemy in this world that is trying to blind the world from seeing the glory of God, from seeing the goodness of God, to see who God truly is in his true essence. As a result, they don't see the light of the good news about Christ's glory. It is Christ who is God's image. Our message is not about ourselves. It is about Jesus Christ as Lord. That's the problem with the church is we spend all the time preaching about ourselves and not preaching about the message of the Lord. We preach morality instead of the gospel. We are supposed to be preaching the message, the message of our Lord. We are your, let's see, our message is not about ourselves. It's about Jesus Christ as the Lord. We are your servants for his sake. We are his servants because the same God who said that light should shine out of the darkness has given us light. For that reason, we bring to light the knowledge about God's glory, which shines from the Christ's face. Isn't this awesome? We bring the knowledge of the goodness of God, the glory of God. We have the great call of bringing the gift of the knowledge of God's glory, which is revealed in Jesus Christ to those who are blind to the fact that they are drowning in the goodness of God, for the world is filled with his glory. We are to shine. We are to shine with the, God's goodness. Our job is to cause repentance in the minds and lives of people. Repentance means a reversal. Repentance means a reversal. So to repent in the mind means to have another thought. If you don't like the way your life is going, if it's not working, if you got stinking thinking, that's easy. Have another thought. Repent. Think differently. Repentance means a reversal. So to repent in the mind means to have another thought. I want people to change the way they think about God. I want people to change the way that they think about God. I want people to change the way they think about themselves. In doing, in so doing, reversing the way that they live with God and with their fellow man. If we repented and changed the way that we thought about God, that he is a good God, that every good gift comes down from him, that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, and we are filled with the very glory, the goodness of God, then we would act good to our fellow man if we believed it. This is my job, and it's yours too. So how are we to do it? How are we supposed to do this act of bringing people to the knowledge of the goodness of God? Well, it should be as exciting as giving someone a gift. Look at this. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Why does 
what we call preaching the gospel did not look like giving someone a gift. Why isn't it as exciting as Christmas morning? Why isn't it exciting that causes people to shake the box? What is in this? Causes kids to get up early, way too early. <laughs> to want to peel back the paper to get a get a just a peek. <laughs> is that how we proclaim the gospel? Is that how we reflect this gift of Christ in us, the hope of glory? Do people are people banging to want to just just let me get a peek of it? Have we received it ourselves, I wonder? Or have we received it and said, oh, that's nice, and put it on a shelf? Have we really opened it? Do we really know what's in the box? Have we read the instructions on how to use it? The gift of the goodness of God wrapped in a manger, revealed on the cross, should be as exhilarating as Christmas morning in the hearts of all men and women. But we don't like to talk about God's goodness for some reason. Because people aren't good. They, don't des they deserve coal, not a gift. They don't deserve the goodness of God. And here the Holy Spirit says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Do you get upset about proclaiming God's goodness? Religion is not about proclaiming God's goodness. It's more about putting people straight, pointing out, People's failures. If you enjoy putting people straight, you might need to examine your own heart. That you need to receive a little bit more of God's goodness. That you need a little bit more of understanding of the revelation and the knowledge of Christ. The hope of glory. Correcting people requires great love. And it's the goodness of God that causes repentance. God's goodness causes men to repent, to change their minds about who God is and who they are. They might understand now who God is, and they just might be a glimpse of who they might be. But the truth of the matter is, in Christ Jesus, they already are. Truth without grace, truth without God's goodness is useless. That's the law. That's religion. To give truth without grace, without God's goodness, is useless to humanity. Truth points out your issues. Grace is the knowledge of God's goodness revealed in the glory of Jesus. The gra the, the, that grace empowers you to change. If you don't proclaim the goodness of God with truth, people will never change because you've left them powerless to do so. It's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. The very glory of God that leads men to repentance. Do you think Moses had a different view of God than all the other children of Israel? We know he did. When, when God came down on the mountain, right, and it says that a lightning and thundered, and the people says, you go up, at least we die. It says that Moses went up into the glory of God. While other people seen destruction, while other people seen lightning bolts, while other people seen that they're going to die, it says Moses went up into God's 
glory, His goodness. There are so many people that won't show up at church that want nothing to do with Christianity is because they see death. They see judgment. And we need to show them that it's not death, it's not judgment, it's not scary, it's the glory of God. Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the manifest glory of God who is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and kindness and truth, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Jesus is the gift of God's glory. And that is the gift of Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for giving us knowledge of your goodness, of giving us knowledge of your glory. And now help us to walk in that knowledge. Help us to walk in that glory. Help us to be a people that are excited about hearing your truth and who we are and what you've predestined humanity to be, and that we, that we would experience a little bit of heaven on earth, Lord, in our lives, and that we would be representations and image bearers of the glory of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent us the Holy Spirit that has freed us from the law of sin and death. Now we ask for him to convict us of God's goodness. Convict us of our righteousness. Convict us of God's glory that you have put in these earthen vessels. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the coming year. And we know when 2018 gets here, it's going to be good because in 2018, your glory is already there waiting for us. So we just go from this glory of 2017 into the greater glory of 2018. We go from glory to glory. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.